people are tempted by cheap and they think that you need to travel far outside of the major metropolitan hubs for cheap. Hello, 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 everybody. This is another episode of the Wealthy Podcast. And today we're going to be talking to the infamous now, Tiffy Rubinat. Tiffy, thank you for joining the show today. It's been so, so long. Thanks for having me. How are you, Dom? I am freezing, actually. Uh, for all of you that are listening and not watching, I am shooting from my holiday house in Nelson Bay. And today it is miserable, cold and wet. Now, you might hear a little bit of uh, construction noise in the background. It's all been done COVID safe and COVID properly, but I'm getting some work done just upstairs. So I'm downstairs in a basement. It's all exposed. It's beautiful and lush and green, but there's wind and rain and all sorts of stuff. The things we do for this podcast, right, Tiffy? I know. And before we sh- we started, I mentioned like, Dom, you look freezing. <laughs> but now you look like you're having a great time. Thanks. I am. I'm looking forward to the show because actually it's, it's, it's been a while since we spoke. And on this show, we're going to be talking about um, whether or not people should be investing in the booming regional markets of Australia. This is a comment that keeps on coming up. People, our clients, guests, uh, you know, the YouTube comments asking about, about regional Australia. Um, I want to chat about that. And I want to talk about what you and I have been doing. We had a few shows together talking about our plans for investments. And um, since those earlier plans, we've obviously gone off and bought some different things. So I want to share with our viewers and our listeners the journey that we've been on. I'm glad that we thought about this topic because you actually suggested it or one of the guys in the team suggested it. And I've been having regular conversations with clients about this particular topic. And of course, everyone is trying to achieve different things. And what suits me doesn't need to suit everyone else. Having said that, I think it's a trending topic. So I'm very glad that we're addressing it today. So, I mean, shall we start with you or I? How have your investments uh, investments to date gone, Tiffy? They're going really well. So in the last month, I've settled on a property I purchased in Melbourne. Very, very excited for those of you who've heard me in the past. I love Melbourne. I, I really push it hard because I believe so much in that growth story. And it's very exciting. For me, it's exciting because I'm seeing that what I purchased, I actually put the expression of interest back in March, settled a month ago, I think it was end of July. And what we're seeing already in Wealthy is that the packages that we were selling a couple of months ago are going up in value. And yes, it's a tougher sale for us at Wealthy. However, um, for me that I bought in there, I'm loving this. I'm seeing prices go up really. Your investment was a, a good one. I really, really like what you've made as an investment. You went and bought a house and or effectively it's a two-part contract. It is a four-bedroom townhouse. Hope you don't mind me uh, sharing a lot of this. You bought it for less than $500,000. It's already grown uh, quite significantly, I believe. Um, and it's it ticks so many of the boxes that you could want as an investment. And Correct if I'm wrong, but you're also going to be taking advantage of a, lo- a number of government grants and the fact that we can now be working remotely. 
that's right. So one of the perks of working at Wealthy is that we can work from wherever, just like Dom is in Port Stevens right now in Nelson's Way doing a renovation. I'm probably going to be doing a bit of Melbourne myself. Not that I actually want to be living in Melbourne, but it's a sacrifice I'm willing to do to get access to a few grants. It's good money that the government gives me when I'm living in the property. Do you feel comfortable sharing some of the numbers around your investment, what, what you purchased it for, what kind of rental returns you, you bought it on, what you anticipate it's uh, renting for, the kind of returns and, and what we estimate the property be worth sort of in the next, at completion, let's just say. For sure. And I love numbers. So let's get into that. So I purchased the first release. And for those who don't know how usually this goes is what's the cheapest usually sells first. So what I'm going to talk to you about, those numbers no longer exist. I bought a 450K purchase price. Right now we're seeing 470, 480 for similar things. And um, I'm expecting um, the, the rental income can vary from like 380 to 420. So when I run my cash flows, I'm the pessimistic type of person, which means I'm going to be running them at 380 per um, week. So when we do annual cash flows, um, having put, and I'm now going to explain what my plan for the future is, but I've decided to go for a 20% deposit. I was also considering putting a 10% on buying something else. However, I've decided I don't want to pay LMI this year and next year. I'm going to be remortgaging next year. So, and I'm going to go into that in, in a few more in more detail. So basically, I did decide to put a 20% deposit. This property will probably be doing a net positive cash flow pre tax of around 1,000 to 1,500 a year. And after I add my depreciation um, and other things that I'm able to claim with the ATO, I'll probably be getting around $4,000 of positive cash flow every year with this property. Important, interesting metrics. You're making $4,000 a year. That's not life-changing, let's be honest. But the fact that you're making money as well as gaining growth in the asset, the growth is what really changes the game. And in that short window of time, we've already seen comparable packages selling for 30K more. So it's it's um, no small amount of change. It takes people a lot more than six months to save 30K. So Tiffy, well done on this investment. I know. On, on and this road. Sorry. I was going to say, sorry, on this road, have you learned any? It's not done yet. We've still got a while yet, but have you learned anything in particular, some difficulties or things that have challenged you along the path, both mentally or, or physically, like physically doing things or emotionally that have troubled you along this way, even though you've got so many investments? New things happen with each deal, right? I have learned, you always learned. It's probably been the easiest deal I've made so far. So I, I don't want to say that I've been traveled much. It's I've done more complicated things. So this one, keeping it simple, has been actually very comforting. And if I think about what I've learned, I had not done house and land packages before in the past. And probably the, it's a very unique type of mortgage. And how it works is... Valuers, some valuers will love it and some won't, just like with any property, really. Valuations are very subjective. So one of the things that we've seen is that sometimes having a great mortgage broker by your side pays off. 
because um, this type of mortgage requires probably five times more work than a normal mortgage. So not every mortgage broker will want to do them to begin with and go above and beyond. And we work with an amazing mortgage broker who I was the first one to put an EOI before we started selling it to clients. And she was pretty smart. And we've already tested like doing six different files with different banks and understanding which banks really like these. And, and we've received valuations above purchase price, above contract price, which is amazing. The fact that someone is valuing these above a purchase price and not being built means that we're buying an amazing opportunity. That's really important. I mean, what you've uncovered there, many people just think that, hey, we've got a property, it's, everything's going to work. And, you know, now I just get my money from the bank and it's done. But it's, it's, the, it's the start is making the decision to buy, then, you know, getting comfortable going down that path. And there's a whole other ball game that comes when you have to finance it. Different banks have different appetites that change. Um, banks will lend money more to you than the other person and, and then they won't account some rent or will they will they count rent? How are you going to structure the loan? This all changes everything. So it's it's been interesting watching you go through this journey and it's great because you've also been able to show so much to your clients and, and talk to them with transparency and say, hey, these are the things that I've learned. This is how I've done it. Now, this is the shortcut. Agreed. Even even the little things, we're not going to go into too much detail because even with the contract and, and the bill contract, how are we going to sort different things out with the delays and sunset clauses? And then with the land contract, when's it registering? And all these different things are important considerations with the investment that you made. Yeah. And for me, having a plan is always really important. I don't think I'll get to the destination where I want to go if I don't have a plan. And even if I'm not allowed to give financial advice, I do share what my plan is with this property to a lot of people. So Dom, I'm happy to share it here. But basically, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago that I had the option of putting a 10% deposit or a 20% deposit. And even if I can't predict the future, I'm convinced that by the time this um, is built, it will be worth easily 500K. So what I've decided to do is right now, I put a 20% deposit and borrowed 360, that's Okay, that's 80% of 450. And once it's complete, what I'll do is have it valued, assuming that it, it is valued at 500K. And now I do go and ask for a 90% um, loan and happy to pay LMI. Then the, the bank will tell me, yes, Tiffy, we'll lend you the money as long as you pay your old debt back. So 90% of the 500K value is 450. So with that 450, I need to pay my current loan of 360 and then I have 90K for my next deposit. So that's my plan, how I'm planning on growing my portfolio. And that's how you build a portfolio, right? Little steps, little steps, one on top of the other, making sure that you've got a solid foundation and you understand what the road looks like ahead of you. It just reminded me of this, that they say that creating a plan is very valuable, but don't rely on it actually working all the time. 100%. You know? <laughs> Who knows, guys? In a couple of months, I'll tell you whether it worked or not. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of these conversations. We'll update the clients and say that, that these are the things that have happened along the road and we won't um, garner the truth or try and make it rosier than it is because there's a lot of value in telling people where things go wrong because they'll learn more from the mistakes than they do from the successes. That's for sure.
Totally. So what have you um, learned <laughs> from your property? Well, what have I I've learned that I should wear a jacket next time I'm going to go outside or, or check the weather forecast. Um, the, the, the other things that I've learned are that, you know, so, so to all of you out there, I, I ended up buying a uh, 800, 800 to 900 square meter block in Nelson Bay. Nelson Bay is in the Port Stephens uh, council area. It's just north of Newcastle, about an hour. Uh, it's about three hours out of Sydney. And the one thing that I learned out of this was I, I anticipated that holiday rentals would be coming back and COVID would go away and blah, blah, blah. That's obviously not the case. Uh, and that meant that we wouldn't be able to do holiday rentals. So now Charlotte and I were in a situation where we were paying uh, rent for a place and then paying for a mortgage that wasn't receiving rent. And we thought to ourselves, do we really want to be doing this? And we can't do holiday rental. Long-term lease is going to be very painful because we have to do renovations. So we made the decision. Now, this is going to be a lifestyle choice. We decided that, hey, we're going to go halfway, live in, in um, Lake Macquarie, do renovation to the house, and then move into it. Now, it goes to show you that not all your plans will go as according to plan. You know, we anticipated that the, the short-term rental market would, would open back up. We would be able to rent the, pro the property out for $1,500 to $2,000 a week and then use it during its, its empty time to just jump in whenever we wanted to. That's not the case. We're now basically living in Nelson Bay and, and having this kind of regional lifestyle. Can I, um, can I stop you there, Dom? Because I think there's a big, a big part of your background that's relevant, sorry, re relevant for people listening to this podcast. So in the last few weeks, um, I've been having this discussion with very advanced investors and I consider you a very advanced investor. You've been practicing what you preach and you've been part of that rent vesting strategy for many years, at least 10 years. And you've come to a point in life where after all of the sacrifice, you want to go for a more emotional decision and you're very much aware of it. So you did this consciously. You didn't have total clarity on whether it was going to be a short term or long term, but you were also really, really hoping to make a lifestyle change and go yourself to a regional area as well. Yeah, this, is, this was an emotional decision. Let's be very clear about this. Um, I, I, you know, I, we bought it because I know that we're going to make money in this. Like we certainly will. We bought it for 650000 The market's moved. We're going to spend some money on a renovation. And Let's be clear, the renovations are very difficult. Um, I'm, I'm juggling the renovation as we speak. And I have that luxury because my father works as a project manager. I, I know a lot of trades because I work in the industry. Um, now, this is our third, my third renovation. So I've learned a lot. I started with very small projects. And I have, we have the flexibility in our business to sort of take off time and work remotely. So it's made it work. But as you've just said, this was more of an emotional decision for me. You know, when I purchased it, it was because I wanted to have an escape out of side, outside of Sydney. I wanted to get some fresh air. I wanted a place where eventually children can run around and have a holiday home. You know, all these sort of qualitative things, an avocado farm not far that I can go pick some fruit and veggies. And this is the stuff that was important to me. The money was, if we make money, fantastic. I think we will, but it wasn't the primary purpose. 
if it was strictly about making money, there were other decisions that I would have made and it wouldn't have been buying this property. Let's make that abundantly clear. This is not the easiest way. This is probably more, more difficult way and a more uh, challenging way of doing things. But um, never shy away from a challenge, right? I'm glad you're saying one of these. Like yesterday I was on the phone with this client and she is she has moved from Sydney to Adelaide just because um, Sydney was too expensive for her and her partner and planning a future. And they were thinking about buying their first property together as a couple in Australia. And they were making it about where they would both live and they could afford. And when we were chatting yesterday, I was making it clear that I'm everyone's different and I'm not in the business of convincing people of what they should or should not do. We're all different. And at the end of the day, it's their investment or their own home. But what I wanted to make clear is the only, the single reason why they decided to move to Adelaide is to purchase a, let's call it cheaper property. And they were looking at the 550K purchase price. And when I mentioned I had bought a four bedroom, two and a half bathroom, double car garage, close to a train station in Melbourne for 450. And not that I'm saying that you should spend less or more, but just to make it comparable, they they were like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. And the discussion then went on towards what has more potential of growing in the medium to long term, not in the next year, right? If we're comparing Adelaide, which I do consider a bit more regional with Melbourne, no one can predict the future, but I honestly believe Melbourne has a lot more potential of growth simply because I know we get a lot more demand for it and land is a lot more locked. It's interesting you say all of this, Tiffy, right? And, and people are tempted now. They're tempted to go and buy regional. And I had a, a cousin of mine that went and bought in Gunnedah and people are tempted by cheap. And they think that you need to travel far outside of the major metropolitan hubs for cheap and and i suppose the most recent core logic data has shown that regional centers have performed or outperformed the the the, the hubs and let's have a look here regional new south wales average the total return was 28 percent or 23 percent growth that's huge these are really really big numbers in uh, regional Victoria, 17%. In uh, regional Queensland, 19%. These are big growth numbers, which are, have outperformed the cities. Let's be clear on this as well. I don't think it's going to be like this forever. Now, what we I anticipate we will see is as the borders, uh, as things normalise again, People like myself that are having little holidays in regional centres and getting outside of the city will come back into the city and things will go back to a more normalised, normal, whatever that means, normalised return. And as people come back into the cities, as we say it over and over and over again, tourism, students um, and uh, migrants, particularly migrants, come back into the country we're going to see tremendous growth in the region, in the um, metropolitan hubs. There are 150 to 200,000 migrants that haven't been coming into the country and they will eventually come back in and they demand a specific style of real estate, more akin to what you've purchased in the 
the city for sort of fringe of Melbourne's 45 minutes or 35 to 45 minutes out, then going to Adelaide. 100%. Adelaide isn't on the radar. <laughs> and funny you say that, Dom, because one of the clients who purchased next to me in, in, in the outskirts of Melbourne, they actually, it's a couple and they're living in regional Victoria. And they saw more value spending same amount of money so comparing like for like they saw a lot more value in going to melbourne than buying a place in regional victoria and to me that makes sense right now as we're talking about this the first thing that comes to mind is that every single one of us is different our circumstances are different criteria for us is different our appetite to risk is different so if you're watching these or listening to this podcast and you want to discuss your own unique situation the first thing i would say is i will encourage you to um, schedule a meeting with one of us at wealthy so what we'll do is in the descriptions below we'll add a link where you can simply go and click in our calendar and book a 30 minute chat with us because every single one of us is unique and what works for me doesn't necessarily need to work for you completely agree you know this we have a client a, a listener question later and it's a type of question that we receive over and over and over again but everything's specific it's yes. very difficult to talk generally in real estate, even generally about the real estate market. They say the whole market's done so well, but some have done way better than others. And everybody has very different set of emotional circumstances, um, physical constraints, where they can move, what they can do, how much they earn, you know, what they've brought up, what they've learned from their mom and dad. Everyone's different. So yeah, if you want to know more, what's appropriate. So you reach out to the team and press the link and then we'll help you definitely. It doesn't cost you anything, by the way, just a bit of time. <laughs> and um, when we talk about generalizing, even when we look at these reports, right, we were looking at the data. And yes, we talk about regional has grown this or that. But even when we talk about different types of real estate, as if we're talking residential, industrial, or commercial, within residential, you have different tiers and you have like the more affordable and the higher price points, right? And one of the things we were looking at that report is what has been driving or which parts, which tiers of property have been driving the price increase. And what's amazing is that the regional areas probably have been growing the most on that lower end. So everyone going into that affordability and making it not that affordable anymore. Whereas in the big cities, you still have access to the more affordable range because well, actually the surprising part, for instance, in Melbourne or Sydney, is that what has grown the most in value is that upper end of the market. Yeah, it's, it's been really lifestyle. It's people going for bigger houses. It's people going for bigger homes. Um, because interest rates are so low, people could afford more. So it's been the, not the top end, but the sort of middle to top end, which has been performing the best. Affordability hasn't really moved that much and it will. It really, really will. So Tiffy, uh, let's have a chat about, um, we've discussed our stories and thank you yes. for sharing yours. Um, what I do like to do is to check in with uh, wealthy expats and with our UK team, Chris, um, so what we'll do is cut over to Chris, hear what he has to say about what's going on in the UK, much bigger, more expensive market than Sydney. And there's a lot that we can learn over there. They've experienced COVID. They went through the lockdowns. They're basically opened up now. So it'd be good to hear what he has to say. Over to Chris. 
Hi, Dom and Tiffy. I hope you're having a great podcast. And I just wanted to share a quick UK market update with you. It's been a couple of weeks since I sent the last one across. House prices in the UK have finally fallen for the first time in 12 months. The average price of property coming to market in August was down 0.3% to an average of about £337,000. Looking specifically at London, property prices dropped by 1.5%, bringing the capital's average house price down to £635,000. And as a whole in the month of August, seven out of the UK's 11 regions prices fell month on month. Now, I believe this has been caused due to a number of reasons, including the summer break and people being allowed on holiday, uh, a long-awaited holiday, you could say. Um, and also, as stamp duty starts to taper off, there's been a new dip in buyers, new sales and new listings. People's preferences have now changed once again, and they can see normality in sight uh, again. We feel like we're returning to normal and the demand for larger houses further away from the capital cities has now dropped and people are looking to return to places like London and Manchester and Birmingham and, and the likes. Um, so it's it's been interesting to see that shift and transition of people wanting to get away from the city and now returning back to London, places like London. It hasn't all been bad news. Um, as a whole, the UK's property market has risen at its fastest rate since 2004. So over the course of the pandemic, property prices have increased 13.2%. Um, so I think as a whole, the UK is still performing quite well. I think we've still got a couple months left until the end of the stamp duty holiday. And, and then it'll drop from the 250,000 threshold down to about 125,000 pounds. So there's still an opportunity for first home buyers to get into the market and take advantage of some of these grants that the government's providing. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's market update and provided a little bit of an insight into what is happening over here. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your podcast and we'll speak soon. Thanks, guys. Chris, thank you very much for sharing that insights and what's happening in the market in the UK. It's interesting to hear that it has now seen a slight price decrease, which is uh, very surprising. But as you explained, it, it made a lot of sense to me. People are now going on holidays to Mykonos and Croatia and not spending much money on real estate. They're going away and interstate, uh, going overseas and spending money elsewhere. Um, and it was interesting to hear how of the, the, the stamp duty rebates are starting to be peered, peeled back. Um, and the fact that, you know, the market has run so hard for so long. So the highest growth rate since 2004. Now, I do anticipate maybe Sydney, Melbourne will have a, a time similar to that where markets will, will open up again. We'll probably be less focused on real estate. Um, and we might have see a slight slump, but I do think there's still quite a lot of legs left in that UK market. So Chris, thank you very much for that. So Tiffy, Tell you me. and I talk to lots of clients, the team is sending out the, um, are always paying attention to client questions. Are you ready for this week's client question? Yes. Hit me. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. So um, it doesn't say who it's from. MC from YouTube has asked, what do you recommend for a young person in Sydney? Buy interstate or buy an apartment in Sydney with $600,000 as their budget? What do you think? I think there's good 600K opportunities in Sydney. Where I would advise you against it is if you cannot leave your emotions aside, 
And because you live in Sydney, you need to visualize yourself living in that apartment, then I would actually recommend you it's way easier to be a better investor and leave emotions aside when it's interstate and you don't need to visualize yourself living in it. It's very short, succinct, and it makes so much sense. You know, it's many of the best investors are the ones. I notice investors make better decisions when they're investing interstate because they haven't got this emotional attachment. They're not going to ask mom and dad about what do they think about the area. They don't have to drive there. And they can create enough separation to make rational, well-thought-out decisions as opposed to, hey, I drove there the other day and I saw someone, you know, with doing something crazy that I didn't like, you know? Um, so to answer your question, I think that 600K is a healthy budget. You can buy some stuff in Sydney. There are advantages to the first home buyers grants and all sorts of things. And if you can remove or divorce yourself from that emotion and say, hey, I'm just going to live here for a little while, get my government grants and get that free money. Let's do Sydney. There's some really good stuff. If you cannot do that, then there are lots of opportunities in Brisbane, in Canberra, in Melbourne. Let's go do that. $600,000 is a big budget and you don't even need to spend it all. So if, if you're at the upper limit of your budget, 600K, I would suggest maybe spending even less, leaving some cash available to yourself because things happen and you'd rather have some cash in your bank if that does happen. It's a very healthy budget. So there's plenty of opportunities. So thank you for your comments and your questions. For all of you out there that have questions, leave it with us, let us know. And if you've got follow-on questions from what we've left, um, reach out to the team. That's probably the better way to do it. Um, yeah, and don't, let's not forget, for those who are watching this through YouTube, like YouTube is a great place to start interactions with us, leave comments. So whether you agree with what we just said or not, we like to hear comments, right? So also feel free to leave it in the comments. Yeah, I, I do. I love having a discussion. There's a few people, most of the conversations I have with people that don't agree with me, I, I like them more. So, I mean, keep on sending your comments through. Everyone's got a different opinion and it forces us to think about things differently. So if you've got a contrarian point of view, let me know. If you don't like my jumper, fine, tell me, you know? <laughs> Um, so Tiffy, it's been a really good chat today. Uh, I'm, I've warmed up through the conversation. I could keep on going, but I know that you've got things to do. Are there any words of wisdom or tips or hints or something that you'd like to leave with our, our audience today? I would say this has been the message from the last three clients I've worked with, where they came to us thinking, I'm not ready, but I want to start that conversation. And suddenly they realized they were ready. Um, and, and the reason originally why they thought they weren't ready is they thought they didn't have enough money. And basically, if you're considering investing and you don't know where you're standing until you don't talk to someone who's an expert in property investing, you, you wouldn't know anyways, and that's right. So just feel free to reach out. Again, in the details, in the description of this video, you'll find a link to book a meeting. It's completely free. Just there's... There's no harm, no foul. Like you're not losing anything other than investing your time wisely in chatting to someone about it and about where you're standing specifically. Completely agree. So all of you out there, uh, start buying before you're ready. Because when you start buying, you learn things along the way. I started buying Nelson Bay before I had any money available. I didn't have a loan approval. It's very frustrating because you may uncover deals that you want, 
but when the right deal comes along, you'll be ready at that point in time. So I think start buying before you're ready, go test drive the car, go try on the suit before you can afford it, go look at some houses or homes or, or have those conversations because you're going to learn so much about yourself, about what you want, where your risk appetite is like, you're going to learn lots in the process and you're not going to buy the first thing you see. So it's better to start looking sooner rather than later. Tiffy, thank you very much for today. It's been a lot of fun. I miss you. I miss having you on the show. I know you're running your own podcast now, so we'll have to get you on again soon. And maybe I can learn Spanish and jump on your show. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it and glad to be here sharing my story. Thanks, Dom. All of you out there, have a lovely week. Stay safe and keep on watching the show. Like, subscribe, send it to your friends and we'll catch you all later.